Hello and welcome to the inaugural Black and White Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Corpuel. I write for the feature section for the Black and White, and I'm also a diehard Giants, Yankees, Knicks, and Rangers fan. Go New York. Joining me today are two of the three editors of the sports section of the Black and White, Gabe Shaner and Andrew Eagle. Fellas, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? I'm ex- I'm just excited to be here. I've wanted to do this for a while, and I'm so glad we finally get the opportunity to do it. How about you, Andrew? I'm excited as well. I'm happy to talk hey. about sports. Yes, of course. So without further ado, let's let's jump right into the first topic of this pod. In case you didn't recognize by the title, we will be recapping week two of the NFL season. And the first thing I wanted to talk, wanted to talk about, I think is probably the biggest storyline of the week, is just the truckload of injuries that have plagued several superstars. Saquon Barkley, done for the season. Nick Bosa, done for the season. McCaffrey today, we got word that he's going to be out for multiple weeks. And just a couple of hours ago, it was reported that Cortland Sutton, who we really didn't get a lot of like word about yesterday, all of a sudden he's out for the season. So what do you all make of these injuries? Do you think this is going to be a continuing theme throughout the season? You know, I'm not, uh, you can go first. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure if this is going to be a recurring thing, but it, it was just like injury after injury after injury. That's just so difficult for the players. And I can imagine that it's partly because, you know, they haven't had that much time to practice, right? Yeah, I, I definitely think it has to do with a, a lack of preseason, you know, a lack of actual game reps. Because, you know, in practice, you're just – you're kind of repeating, like, the same couple plays over and over. And there's no actual game action. And I think that's what a lot of these players are lacking. And some may argue that, oh, well, you know, most star players aren't going to get many reps in the preseason. That's true. But there's like, as we saw, there are injuries to just, there are injuries to a bunch of star players and like a bunch of players that, you know, we're also trying to gain spots and stuff. I just think that, you know, the, you know, the players thought like, you know, a no preseason was like a win for them, but I don't know if that's true anymore. Yeah. And also what you're saying about the star players, it's also just nice to ease into it. Like, you know, have a couple games at the beginning of the season where there's no pressure and you're just literally like playing a couple drives, getting to know your new teammates. Maybe if you've got some rookies, some free agent acquisitions and, you know, I didn't really notice a ton of like lack of chemistry, but definitely like they're not used to playing full contact against another team the entire game. Mm-hmm. So you both hit the nail on the head there. I, th- I forgot who it was on ESPN. It was probably Stefania Bell, who's basically the doctor. She was, ta- she was either her or someone else who was talking about, and it was a theme this week. A lot of these injuries were soft tissue injuries. ACLs, MCLs, a lot of knee and Achilles with Malik Hooker. And I definitely think I agree that is due in part to not really having any preparation going into the season. Um, I also wanted to talk about how this will affect the teams that have been played because now the Giants, their offense, not like it scared anyone before, but it is definitely not going to scare anyone now 
without obviously the focal point. And Daniel Jones looked not very good. Um, and then the 49ers I really wanted to talk about. There were very mixed opinions on them going into the season. Some thought there was going to be a Super Bowl hangover. Others thought they would keep going and they were going to rise to the top of the NFC West. Now that they've lost Garoppolo for a couple of weeks, they've lost Bosa for the season, Thomas for a while, and now Mostert for a couple of weeks. What do you think the trajectory of San Francisco is now that they've been plagued with all of these injuries? Yeah, really quickly, I'm just going to acknowledge something with the Giants. Isn't Sterling Shepard injured, too? Like, maybe something minor. Too. I mean, he's always injured, so it's not yeah. really news at this point. But, yes, he also hurt himself yesterday. Yeah, and as for the 49ers' trajectory, I think it's really impacted. And I really think they need to look at some free agent help. I agree. They're looking at – they, I think I think they're planning on signing uh, Ezekiel Alonza. If I'm correct, yeah. And I think, like, it's not – like, everyone's focused on, like, Saquon's ACL today, which obviously is a huge deal. But, like, Nick Bosa, as you know, like, he was the defensive rookie of the year. Like, that's a huge loss for the 49ers defense. And, I mean, I don't know – they traded DeForest Buckner in the offseason – you know, their, their D-line was probably the best last year, and they're, they're missing two key parts now. I don't think they can repeat as NFC champions this year. I really do not. So, Gabe, I think we'll get into your free agent signing idea a little bit later. Yeah. Um, do you think this opens the door for someone like Arizona to potentially surprise some people? Absolutely. Absolutely. They've got such a stacked team. Um, and yeah, they're also really deep, if I'm not wrong. So, you know, if someone gets injured, they're going to be okay. I agree. Kyler Murray also looks like an MVP candidate so far. And yeah, the Cardinals are a scary team. I think them and the Rams and the Seahawks. I mean, the, the NFC West as a whole is just, I think, unarguably the best division in the league. I mean, so it, the 49ers are in a bit of a I this year. I think you might've cut out for a sec. Um, so I think we've covered everything there. Let's move on to probably the next biggest storyline of the weekend, which was, uh, Atlanta, Dallas. Holy cow. Lot to unpack here. Uh, first off, I was, it's one of those games where you only, you turn it off after probably halftime because they were up 19 at halftime. You only really have it on for fantasy purposes. Mm -hmm. And I look at my phone a little after and they just recover an outside kick, and then they get the field goal. I'm like, what in the world happened? And I was reading the play-by-play -play in the box score. It's such classic Atlanta Falcons. Defense loses the lead. And for whatever reason, Todd Gurley was getting involved in the offense at the end. I'm like, you've been torching the Cowboys all day. 
through the air. No one says you can't throw it. Um, what what do we make of this game going forward for both teams? Uh, I think uh, Matt Ryan has got to be like the unluckiest QP in the league. Like, and he's putting up these crazy numbers, these MVP like numbers. And his defense is always just letting him down. And I don't know. It's just incredible to me how you let the Cowboys come back. Like, like the Falcons' defense in the first half wasn't even playing that poorly. It's just I, – I don't know what – I don't know if the Cowboys' offense just, you know, flipped the switch or if it was just the Falcons' defense just – I don't just kind of not stop trying but didn't try as hard. Like, it was just – you know, as, as an NFC – you know, as a Washington fan, like – I love seeing the Cowboys lose. And I saw a score, like you said. I was like, all right, bet. Like, you know, all four NFC East teams may lose today, but Washington's still in first place. And that, didn't end, that did not end up happening. So I was pretty mad about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a Washington fan, but I share your dislike of the Cowboys. <laughs> so I was so excited. I also don't really like the Falcons. Uh, but I was definitely more excited that they were winning. Um, and then it just, it's almost like, it's gotta be psychological, you think? Cause like once a team starts coming back on you and it gets closer and closer, like you see teams make calls that they should never be making. And like you were saying, Quentin, with Todd Gurley, like, no, throw the ball. You've got Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, and Julio Jones, who are all tremendous players and they're not getting targets when they really need them. Gabe, I love how, yeah, I love how when you listed off the Falcons pass catchers, I love how the first patch pass catcher you said was Russell Gage. And I love not, Russell Gage. I love <laughs> he, him. He's, he's been a favorite target. Um, I agree with you when you said played sports before when you're up big on a team you tend to let the foot off the gas pedal and I think that's definitely what happened and I think we have to talk about what allowed them to get the field goal at the end I mean if you look at the rules the onside kick they literally could have just punted it out of bounds and it still would have been their ball the only way the Cowboys get the ball is if they recover it legally after 10 yards and I get what Hayden Hurst and everyone on the special teams team was trying to do in just trying to let it roll 10 yards. But at some point, even if someone falls on it, even if they get a penalty, it'll still be their ball. It was just unbelievable watching it. That's one of those plays where you feel like you want to be in the game and you feel like you have a controller in your hand and you wish you could just make someone go forward and grab the ball. And it was just astounding how they were looking, they were studying the ball. Like it was a foreign animal they've, that they've never encountered before in the wild. <sighs> Do you have anything else to add? I mean, I will add, we didn't mention this yet, but 39 points and zero turnovers. Teams are 440-0 and 0 before um, this weekend. I thought that was the coolest stat. Um, onside kick, onside kicks, you know, maybe like two or three get recovered a season. So it's like, it's pretty rare, but it, it still happens. But you don't see a team that plays as well as the Falcons did offensively 
lose. 440 games, that's a lot to not have a single loss. And now yeah. we're 440 and one. We thought last week when the Lions blew the 17-point lead in the second half, we thought that was historical. I think it had only happened three times, 17-point lead going into the second half. The teams were almost guaranteed to win. That was history. Like, oh, nothing can top that. Well, leave it to the Atlanta Falcons to break records that uh, no one, no other team would want to break. It's in that <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just think this season's already been so memorable. I mean, like we're gonna have seven playoff teams on in each conference. We're seeing so many um, season-ending injuries, and also just the the COVID stuff, like. It's just such a unique season, and I think it's going to be really memorable at the end. Yeah, hopefully, it can get played all the way through. But True. If it yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, COVID yeah, we have a football team. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that'd be nice too. Yeah, COVID has yet to really play a big part because past two weeks, no positive tests for the Saturday before. So I guess we'll have to see with that. Um. Next thing I wanted to talk about was New England-Seattle. Great game. I love that they put these awesome games Sunday night. And going coming after this, like, watching this game, I thought to myself, I think the ringers, it wasn't Kevin O'Connor. It was another one who posted something on, or on Twitter. He said, I really hope. Russell Wilson wins MVP this season. And I cannot agree more with that. Obviously, you've heard the stat. He's never received a single MVP vote. And Chris Collinsworth continues to burn into our brains that he thinks he's underrated. He's been saying that since forever. Yeah. Russell Wilson's just a good quarterback. And now that he's fine, this is the easily the best number one wide receiver he's had in DK Metcalf. I mean, the next guy after that is probably – Doug Baldwin, who would probably be a number two receiver on any other team. And so do you think if Russell Wilson continues to play like this and Seattle keeps holding strong, is there anything that could stop him from winning MVP? I don't think so. And I, I saw some crazy stat on Twitter. I think it was that I think he has one less touchdown than incomplete pass, or it could be the other way around. I'm not completely sure. But yeah, he's he's playing lights out, like, and he's finally gonna get the MVP attention that he deserves. Like, like you said, it's crazy that he's never garnered one MVP vote, MVP vote, like, let alone win one. So I de- like I think the Seahawks, like I said, are playing in the NFC West. You know, tough, probably the toughest division in football. But Seahawks, I think they're gonna they're gonna keep winning. And you know, the let Russ cook, that saying that people are you know saying now, like, you know, it's working, like. If you let him throw the ball, he'll go off. He's got to keep throwing it. I think he'll win MVP. The one thing that stands in his way is if someone outperforms him. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's not, discre- it's not as much discrediting him that he hasn't got a single MVP vote because he, he definitely deserves it. But we just have players like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes that just have these historical seasons, and it takes some attention away from him. And I think that gives him a chip on his shoulder and maybe it helps him play a little better because he's got to prove the, prove that he's worth just one MVP vote. 
but I do think that he's absolutely my favorite. And I mean, second place would be Kyler Murray for me. We're Josh yeah. Allen. Yeah. 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 I think we'll get into the Murray Allen thing later. Another thing I wanted to talk about Cam Newton. He, my man is on a quest to burn the league to the ground for not believing in him. And I think it showed last night. This is the moment Bill Belichick has been waiting for. Just people finally not believing in the Patriots and him finding this gem in Cam Newton to prove everyone wrong. I don't know if you saw his video, Cam Newton's video on Instagram. He was working out to gospel music. When you work out to gospel music, that should worry some people. Yeah. And it definitely showed last night he had some noticeable zip on the ball that we have not seen in a long time. And he looked, he looked like his 2015 self. Uh, what do you all think of Cam Newton? Yeah, I think he's, like you said, he's kind of on the, on the quest to, I guess, reprove himself. You know, people, the whole thing with him was, you know, he can't throw, he can run, he can run but he's not going to be durable enough to last a season if he takes all these hits. But, I mean, he goes ahead and nearly throws 400 yards versus, you know, the Seahawks secondary, which is definitely one of the best secondary, one of the better secondaries in the league. So I just think, although they lost, you know, I think the, I think the goal line call at the end, like, I mean, oh, how everyone, the, and their mother, everyone and their mother knows, like, they're going to do a goal line run with Cam. And, like, I don't know. I would have ran like a bootleg or something, but you know, it's, it's Belichick. So I'm not going to second guess him, you know, but yeah, he keeps playing this way. I, I think he'll be the, the Patriots QB for a couple more years, or maybe he'll get a big contract somewhere else, but he played terrific last night. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really have that much to add, but you could just see this coming. Uh, like every time we want a reason to doubt the Patriots, Bill Belichick just has something up his sleeve. This time it was Cam Newton. Um, I just, what I was really mesmerized by was, I was like, okay, there's no way he had that many yards and there wasn't like one wide receiver that he just threw to every time. Sure, Julian Edelman got like the plurality of uh, receptions, but there were so many people he targeted and got completions to. I just think that's so amazing. That's so telling of a good quarterback that they can spread the ball. And I think that's what we're, we've been missing from Cam Newton, which was having people or seeing him like throw to multiple people rather than just like one or two. Mm-hmm. Not just him spreading the ball. It's who he's spreading the ball to. Yeah. Cam Newton literally throwing to janitors and Julian Edelman. God, if Nikhil Harry could get some yards after catch, he, he, I think he could be great, but God, thinking of all the guys in that draft that went after Nikhil Harry, we got Metcalf, we had, oh my God. McLaurin, yeah. Yeah, scary Terry McLaurin. I mean, thinking that the Patriots maybe got the fourth, fifth best wide receiver in that draft is kind of disappointing, but then again, you have Cam Newton who's lighting the league on fire. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Patriots atop the AFC North. Maybe if Josh Allen continues to play this way, uh, 
I think we could see a pair of double-digit win teams atop that division. Yeah, I think the Bills will win the AFC East, you know, at the end. But, I mean, like you said, it's an expanded playoff. I think the Patriots will find a way to sneak in there if they don't win the division outright. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't know about double-digit wins, but certainly both should be considered um, for the number one spot in that division and definitely spots in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that'll be a really exciting playoff race. Now, on to the segments. So, on other podcasts, these are probably my favorite parts of the podcast. Not just breaking down the games, but playing like almost mini game shows almost. It keeps you entertained and it keeps you, it keeps you engaged. So what we're going to do right now is called Defend Your Overreaction. Now, this was first proposed on the Bill Simmons podcast. If by some miracle he comes across this episode, Bill, uh, we appreciate work. And uh, this was inspired by you. So what we're going to be doing here, instead of deciding whether a statement is an overreaction or not, you're going to actually have to basically back up with evidence an overreaction that you actually think is going to come to fruition. So how we're going to do this, one of us will say our overreaction, and then we will discuss, and then we'll go on to the next person. So I'm going to start with Gabe because he is adjacent to me. So Gabe, what is your first overreaction after week two? Uh, We kind of hinted at this earlier, but my overreaction, which is really more of a hot take, a hot prediction, is that the 49ers are going to get Colin Kaepernick. They they need someone. I mean, who who played after uh, Garoppolo went down? Nick Mullins, I think. Nick Mullins. He did not play well. Yeah. He like they cannot rely on him, and. Colin Kaepernick is a huge storyline right now, obviously being in Madden. And uh, I, don't, I don't know how good he is anymore, but he's certainly worth a tryout. And I definitely, like, they need a quarterback, and he's out there right now. He's probably the best option for them. So much better than Nick Mullins. Yeah, how cool would that be? You know, he, he gets cut by the 49ers, and then he resigns with them after everything that's happened. I, I agree with you. I do think that he is a better option at QB than Nick Mullins is. Mullins had a chance to prove himself, what, it was two years ago, right? He was a rookie, but he didn't play very well. I don't think he's anything better than a, you know, QB2. So I do think they should give uh, Colin Kaepernick a chance. I think yeah. if there was any time to sign Colin Kaepernick, it's now. Yeah, and they also they have so many injuries, like we were saying. It's it's now or never to take a really big risk. And who knows? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't blowing anyone away. Like, we could have a usurper on our hands. Mm-hmm. I agree, yeah. Even in the playoff run last year, Jimmy Garoppolo was – they relied so heavily on their running game last year. I mean, granted, Mostert and Brita and Coleman were awesome. But – Garoppolo, he's just not a Super Bowl winning quarterback in my eyes. I, now I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick can lead them to a Super Bowl, 
but yeah, I, Gabe, I agree with you. If there was any time to take a big risk, you're depleted. I think it's, I think it'd be a great move for the 49ers. Um, Andrew, I'm going to let you go next. What is your, what is one of your overreactions after week two? Uh, one of my overreactions is that Saquon was not a good pick at number two in the 2018 NFL draft. And hear me out. Saquon is, I believe, a top three running back in the league easily. Could be top one if the Giants had a better O-line. But I think back in 2018, when the Giants were picking at two, I, I think it was smart that they passed on uh, Sam Darnold. You know, he hasn't ended up very good and, you know, for the Jets. But instead, I think they should have gone O-line. They should have drafted uh, or like Denzel Ward at two. I guess a corner at two is maybe a bit of a reach. But I just – I just don't understand. I don't understand like what their thinking was. Like, did they think a running back could have like alleviated all their issues and just like, cause when you're picking a player number two, you're picking a guy who you think is going to carry your team, right. Or just going to solidify a position for the next 10, 15 years. Right. And unfortunately with running backs, they have a really short self uh, shelf life. Like if, if we're not counting Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, players like that, like, Running backs don't last very long in this league. And we've seen time and time again recently that offensive line is much more important. If you have a great offensive line, your running back is going to put up numbers. We've seen that. And Saquon is putting up these crazy numbers. I mean, besides this year, it was two short games. But, you know, the Giants line is horrible. Like, we've seen, we've seen running backs put up decent numbers, like unhurled running backs. Like Philip Lindsay, he was undrafted in 2018 he put up a back-to-back a thousand yard rushing seasons and I just as much as I love Saquon even though I'm a Washington fan like I still appreciate how good of a running back he is he shouldn't have been drafted at two and that and like although I don't blame him for his ACL tear like it's kind of a freak incident even though he did get hurt I think on the play before it might have been the play before or a bit before like I he was kind of on the sidelines he was I think he was on the on the play before and then on when he got like thrown by I forgot who it was that's when for the ACL yeah I just I feel horrible for him and I think what's going to happen is the Giants are going to give him a huge contract despite his ACL tear and that's going to hurt him in the long run so overall I just Saquon is an amazing player top three running back definitely I just don't think he was worth it at pick number two so Andrew multiple things First of all, none of this was Saquon's fault. The Giants' offensive line has been such a problem for such a long time. I mean, you saw it on the Monday night game in week one. Obviously, that was a great Steelers front. But every single time he got the ball, three Steelers were already in the backfield. I mean, it's amazing how he – barely got back to the line of scrimmage on some of those, I think your average running back would have easily had in the negatives for that night. Well, I agree. That's why I think taking a, taking, you should have taken the Quentin Nelson at two even like, I just don't see what the value is taking a running back. Like I just don't see the value of taking a running back at two, especially when your O line's horrible. You know what I mean? Second of all, I'm happy that we did take Saquon Barkley at two because 
Sam Darnold, obviously, we can look back. I think the situation wasn't the greatest, obviously. Like, he's looked absolutely putrid, and that Jets organization really needs to do some cleaning up because they've also turned Le'Veon Bell, who was a consensus number one overall fantasy pick not even three years ago. They've sort of turned him into a scrub. Mm, absolutely. Second of, second of all, other, let's, look at, let's look at who else was available. So, obviously, there was Darnold. Drafting an offensive lineman at number two, or just even the top three, never really worked out i mean even <laughs> drafting offensive linemen in the top 10 for the giants for the giants oh, for the giants yeah you're right you're right yeah yeah eric flowers justin Pugh was in top 10 but he was pretty high andrew thomas i can't judge yet because it's only been two games but even the offensive linemen we have put into the games that we want to protect our quarterbacks and running backs for a considerable the considerable future they've been run over so I don't think an offensive lineman would have been a viable selection there and at the time Quentin Nelson wasn't really I mean obviously if we were redrafting maybe but at the time he wasn't really in consideration for that high spot he was regarded as a top three overall player in the class I believe back even back then and, like, it, it wasn't a shocker that he fell to six, but I think he – it would have been fair for him to go anywhere between one and six. Okay, last, I mean, last, last, last point here. Okay. The Giants' running game at the time was terrible. We had Rashad Jennings and Orleans Darqua as our leading rushers. So – and Eli Manning wasn't quite done yet. So I'm happy that we took Saquon. Do you, Andrew, mm-hmm. do you think if Saquon Barkley hadn't gotten injured, would you still call his pick a negative for the Giants? Oh, yeah, I would. I mean, like I said, if you're picking a player number two, you're expecting him to not necessarily carry your team because football is a team game, but definitely, like, you know, like improve your team so much that a couple years later you're – a playoff team. I understand it's not Saquon's fault that he plays on the Giants. You know, the organization is just, they don't know how to handle things, but I don't, I don't like, like I'm saying, I don't think he was a good value pick. Like they could have, like Nick Chubb, he fell, he was picked third overall in the second round right after the Giants picked Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez, in my opinion, was, he was a decent pick, but still, I, I think they, like even back then when they drafted Saquon second overall, like he was going to sell jerseys and he was going to make Eli Manning look better for, you know, the two years that he had left, whatever. But just, I just don't think it was a great pick. I, I just think that you can get like better running backs late now. Um, so I, I think Saquon was too good to pass up. That's my opinion. He was a beast in college. You got to admit. If they didn't think he was a generational talent, they wouldn't have taken him. So that's all I'm going to say. Um, okay, this part we can edit out. Let's switch to a new meeting so we don't get cut yeah. off. Okay. I will uh, stop the recording.